Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. This is your host, DJ Lucky. Uh, my name is Larry Morrison. I'm the financial shaman. And I am coming to you semi-live. I'll probably post this today, so sort of live. <clears throat> Valentine's Day 23, and I am in beautiful though snowy western Colorado um so one of the rare podcasts I'll be doing indoors because it's literally snowing right now so as much as I'd love to get out and play in the snow with you guys uh, I thought I'd do it indoors today so how are you (laughs) so today I had the inspiration to talk about sales and before you shut this off and be like, I'm not a salesperson. I did one of these before. I did a podcast where I kind of went into the basic sales talk, um, things that everybody, every salesperson should know. And what I'd like to do today is talk a little bit more about um, how we effectively communicate our thoughts and ideas to others, um, which sales is, is basically, here, let me say it like this. Everybody's selling. Everybody is selling something. Whether you're trying to sell your kids on, you know, how to behave uh, in, a, in society to get what you want, right, without throwing a temper tantrum. If you're trying to sell your spouse on or lover on uh, why it's a good idea to, you know, keep hygiene, I don't know, um, or why is it a good idea to have sex more often or you're trying to sell your boss on your ideas at work or whatever there's always always a use for more more improved sales skills um so a lot of the examples i'm going to use are not in the sales world i'm going to just use examples um of things i've heard recently from friends and clients and family and stuff like that where i was like wow you guys really need a lesson in sales um And let's just boil it down to its basic component. Sales is effectively communicating the need for your product or service. Well, what if instead of saying product or service, we said effectively communicating the need for your ideas or your voice or your opinion or your perception of things? And you might immediately say, well, no one needs to hear or understand my ideas and that is true that's the paradox right no one needs to listen to you ever about anything however the paradox is you need to express yourself you need to give your perception your authentic voice must be added to the whole to the tribe to the family to the business to the whole of society However, the tricky part is that most people have not mastered is speaking that authentic voice and then letting it go. For instance, me, I never listen to these podcasts ever again. Right? I put it out there into the world and then it's done. And uh, I don't know why this is coming to me right now. I don't have to question it. But if you have any questions or things you'd like to talk about or something you'd like me to go more in depth about, or you just want to say hi, I don't know, um, reach out, thefinancialshaman at gmail.com. I'll be happy to collaborate and uh, talk about whatever you want to talk about. 
But anything, anyway, my point is <laughs> the letting it go part is where people get stuck because the ego is all about being right and it wants to be heard and it wants to be seen and it wants to be validated. However, the heart needs to express itself. So you need to express yourself and immediately let it, immediately let it go and not make yourself right or above anyone or care about being right or care about anybody listening to you. And that takes a, a lot of practice, a lot of patience with yourself and others. So, however, if we're looking at it from a family dynamic, uh, you know, let's just say there's a, a family dynamic, a super basic uh husband and wife or husband and husband or wife and wife, you know, and two kids, right? Um, and I, you know, I'm not talking about marriage or any of that stuff. I've gone off on that many times. I probably will in the future, but forget about that right now. We're just talking about having a family unit. However it looks, it doesn't have to, this is just for a hypothetical. It's all love, you know, so it doesn't need to look a certain way. But the point is, let's just keep a hypothetical of, you know, two parents and two kids, right? And so, uh, and, and also let's say the kids are getting into their teenage years where they also need to communicate more effectively their thoughts and ideas. And which can be difficult um, because a lot of parents are very self-righteous with their children. Um, they think they know better. And they think they, they think they know what's best for the kids. And, and that's absolutely untrue. 100% false. Only a person's heart knows what's best for them. And you don't know what's best for anyone else ever. Or the world or anything like that. That's self-righteousness. That's ego. So even if you've diapered this baby's bottom and watched them grow and helped them ride a bike and help them, you know, wipe their ass and all that shit, when they get to a certain age, roughly their teenage years, their opinion is just as valid as yours. I don't give a shit how many years of experience you have. That, the years of experience on this planet does literally does not matter. Because everybody has access to the infinite intelligence that we come from, where we are billions and billions and billions of trillions of years old. So everyone has access to that, and everyone came here for a reason. So if you think yourself above your children in any way, you lose access to their perception of things, which could very much help you grow. And so there is a delicate balance of listening to your kids, but not putting their opinion above your own, right? Everything has to be run through the filter of your heart. Like if your kids say, um, you know, you shouldn't have, you know, I don't like Uncle Jack, you know, spending time with us. He's kind of an asshole. And you run it through the filter of your heart and you're like, well, no, I mean, that relationship is there for a reason. But then you can go back and say, well, my heart says it's okay. But if you feel that way, you don't have to spend time with him when he comes around, right? So there's there's a, a, always got to be, you're not fully validating their perception, but you're not immediately tossing it by the, the wayside either. And you never want to force anyone to do anything they don't want to do. Remember always, if you're using force, like, it's my way or the highway, or um, what's that stupid fucking saying? <sighs> as long as I, you know, if you live under my roof, you're going to do what I say. That's got to die immediately, because the child doesn't have any choice what roof they live under. 
it's literally illegal for them to to leave home before 18. So in the, in, in leasing the United States, right? So unless they're joining, you know, some kind of halfway house or some shit like that, but or CPS or something, it's literally illegal for them to leave. So that is blatant manipulation, and you're forcing your will onto somebody. And what you got to remember to your, yourself is, you ever if you ever have to force your ideas or perceptions on someone else, it means you have the worst plan. If you had the best plan for everybody involved, there is no reason they wouldn't logically say, you know what, that's the best thing to do. Let's do that. So if you're forcing something, it only means two things. You have the worst plan or they want to self-sabotage, in which case you have to let them do that. Because if you have the best plan and they're still saying no, they have to, you have to let them self-sabotage. And just be like, just like I said with the Uncle Jack thing, go your own way and do your own thing. And that's fine. Right? So. You never have to force anybody to do anything. And this goes the same with your spouse or lover, you know, the adult side of things. If you're manipulating them or forcing them to do something they don't want to do, you're going against their own free will. And that means you're, you don't have, you have very low emotional intelligence and it means you have terrible sales skills, which is the whole point of this conversation. So just let's go back to the basic understanding that all sales skills mean is to effectively communicate the need for your thoughts and ideas, but immediately letting go of the anybody needs them. That's the paradox. That's the catch. So you have to be good at effectively communicating your thoughts and ideas, but you have to let go because what if, and this is what we're going to talk about, how collaboration works is you effectively communicate your thoughts and ideas but then you also have to recognize that you have blind spots in your thinking, in your subconscious, in your behavior, that it's not conducive for everyone. And it, those blind spots show up right on time to help you grow and evolve. So when you effectively communicate your thoughts and ideas, you have to step back and let go just in case someone sees a higher perception or a blind spot that you don't see that they then can have the opportunity in a safe space. And this includes children have the opportunity in a safe space to communicate their thoughts and ideas. And then you assimilate them and go, am I, you know, you run it by your heart. Am I missing something? And it'll say, yes, you know, you need to incorporate this or add this. And then you can collaborate and constantly move to a higher perception of things constantly evolve and grow together that's the whole idea but if you're stuck saying my way or the highway you won't grow and neither will anyone else and everybody's going to be very disgruntled including you if you have to force things you're going to be upset <coughs> it just it's just subconscious you shouldn't have to force anything and you're if you're thinking to yourself well larry i have to force my kids to go to school every day yeah why because you haven't effectively communicated the need for it. You haven't sold them on school. And as a society, we force kids to go to school, learn shit they don't need. Yes, everybody needs to learn, you know, basic math and how to read and write. But more than that, they don't need to know what the fucking Prussian War was. How does that help their life in any way? How? They don't need to know what year it was. They don't need to know about Napoleon's conquest of, Fran or of Europe. How does that help them? We're not in Europe. The whole point of learning history is to not repeat the same mistakes as our ancestors. And yet we still do it even though we know history. We just got a fascist dictator who literally was trying to 
storm the fucking Capitol and subvert the democratic process, we just got him out of office. So we didn't learn shit from when we, all the other dictators that were in office that subverted the democratic process. All this history we learned and what did it do? Nothing. So you have to sell your kids on the idea of school, but more than that, you have to sell them on the idea of learning. And you have to give them an under, a basic understanding that they need to have control of what they learn. And you're thinking to yourself, well, how is that possible in, in the, our current education model? It's not. So you, what you have to do is let them know that you have to, that they have to learn what society wants them to learn, but also at the same time not to learn, lose their love of learning, so also learn what they're excited to learn. And within those things, like science, for instance, they can have a love of learning about dinosaurs or plants or bugs or whatever. And they can talk to the, we could talk to the teachers and be like, you know, my kid loves chemistry. Can, is there any way to just harness that love and let him study chemistry and not study this basic bullshit curriculum you're having him study? Of course, that's, you know, not a whole nother thing because then you'd have to sell the teachers and the education, wouldn't you? Or you could look at homeschooling or anything like that. What they, the basic understanding is you have to sell children on school through selling them on learning and what it's going to do for them and how, what's the best way to learn and how much time and energy are they spending on learning things they don't need. But the, what I'm trying to get at is selling them. So if you're like, I have to force my kids to go to school, then you haven't sold them on why they should go. Right? If you have to force your spouse through manipulation or coercion or your lover to not go out drinking with their friends after work, then you haven't sold them on the idea of why it's not cool. And you probably haven't investigated why you're upset about it. Well, if you're like, oh, it's the money thing, then obviously you guys aren't on the same page with the same plan and you haven't sold them on what that plan is. So let's go back basic definition of sales how to how to effectively communicate the need for your ideas or the or your thoughts and ideas however you want to say that i was talking to a friend recently and um he has a stepson who just turned 18 and moved out and the stepson called the mom uh, my good friend's, you know, wife and, uh, stepson called the mom and was like, mom, so here's what I need. I, hear, I need you to send me a hundred bucks for this, for my cell phone, a hundred bucks a month for clothes and, you know, 200 bucks a month for food. And she laughed at him. It's like, go get a job. Now the whole job and whatever, notwithstanding, what I'm talking about is how terrible is that a sales call? He tried to sell her on giving him money for nothing. And he did a classic mistake that I'm going to teach you right now called assuming the sale. Assuming the sale. Assuming the sale means <clears throat> that you assume the person you're talking about is on the same page when you've spent zero time making sure they're on the same page. Now in the sales process of selling products and services, there is a use 
for the sales technique of assuming the sale. However, if you don't know when to use it and you're using it unconsciously, you're self-sabotaging your sales skills or your sales talk. For instance, when I used to sell my student loan services years and years ago, you know, I would ask a ton of questions. You know, you make sure that this, you know, the solution that you're offering fits their problem. And then you move on to here's the price and, you know, which, you know, I always used to do the, the Goldilocks close, right? Which is, you know, you can pay in three or six or you know, two, three or six payments. And that way you assume they're, they're, that your solution that you're presenting is what they, it's obviously the best solution for the situation. So I, we'd, I'd ask a ton of questions, diagnose their situation, create a plan with them on the phone, and then assume that they wanted me to execute the plan. If they didn't agree to the terms, then we would step back and, and find out what the, you know, the hiccups were or the hesitations or the obstacles or objections. So there is a part of the sales process where assuming the sale makes sense. But if you're doing it when communicating thoughts and ideas and you then you've you've completely skipped over collaboration, questions and seeing if what you want is what the other person wants. So let's break this down. Let's just call the kid the stepson John. So John assumed his mom wanted to, to take care of him. And while all parents want to take care of their children, after 18, it gets a little dicey. After 18, you should be able to survive on your own. That's the whole point of childhood and teenage years is to get children to the place where they can stand on their own two feet. Or at least they're going to school or whatever, you know, college or whatever, uh, or trade school or something to be able to do that. But bottom line is, as a, as a human race, for the most part, I mean, there's obviously different areas and different places, but or let's just say as a society in the United States, we've agreed that 18 is the cutoff. Like, you need to handle your own stuff unless you're going to school or whatever. So... John assumed his mom wanted to take care of him, which of course all parents want to take care of their children. But the mom assumed he knew how to take care of himself. What is an assumption? Let's 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 go let's take a step back. An assumption is when you let your imagination wander too far. It's when you let your imagination and the thought process of your logical thought, which is all based on past experience, which is based on the ego's subconscious control, not all of it, but a lot of it is based on past experience when it comes to logic. So the past experience that John had was that his mom always took care of him. So his logic assumed she would continue to do so. Assumption is when you let your imagination wander too far and fill in gaps of thought that are not meant to be filled in. 
if John didn't assume, he would have been like, you know, I know I'm 18. Is there any way you can take, you know, help me out? But that, again, assumes that his mom wants to. And I guess it doesn't. He's, you know, he's asking in that hypothetical there. But the point is, assumption means you're letting your imagination wander too far. And how you know it's gone too far is it includes other people. When you assume you can do something on your own, you get to find out when you go to do it. When you assume there's something wrong with you, you get to sit down with the conversation with your heart. There's nobody else involved. But when you assume when it comes to other people, you're always going to run into trouble. Never assume when it comes to other people. When you are in a family unit or have friends or in a job, you know, in a place of, you know, co-workers or whatever, in a, lo- in a romantic love situation or what have you, business partnership, whatever it is, you cannot assume anything of another person. You cannot let your mind wander and say, this is what's going to happen when I say this to them. Because you don't know. And this is where people get really hung up because when it comes to evolving with other people, other people are there to show us our blind spots by being mirrors. You know, if you see something in someone else's behavior that you don't like, you have it too, or at least you need to check in with it if you have it. Most likely you do. And you can also check in with your boundaries and see if, you know, a boundary needs to be instituted. But also, other people, evolving with other people, they reveal our blind spots by saying things like, um, I'm not going to fucking take care of your 18. So they, they show us our blind spots. But if you go into every conversation with another person thinking to yourself, I have blind spots, you will stay open and humble. I've been practicing this lately because... It just came to me like a, hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, oh yeah, I have blind spots, obviously. So every time I communicate now, you know, I set the intention of what I, I want to communicate with someone. And then I say to myself, I have blind spots, so be open to other people's perceptions, to other people's ideas, to other people's, you know, plans or what have you. And I'm usually pretty open, but it's a good practice to get into. Um... And maybe that's why I put my email out there for you guys. But anyway, uh, where was I? When, when you're evolving with someone else in a family unit or whatever, you always have to remember that you have blind spots. That your ideas might not be best for everyone. So when you assume you know someone, you box them in. And you have taken away the power to collaborate with them. Because if you assume you know someone, every single time, for the most part, almost every single time, they're going to catch you off guard. Something's going to go wrong. This is where that old saying comes from. When you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. And it's pointing to the fact that you can assume all day long with yourself. If If I assumed I could hike down Everest and got there and got my ass kicked by that mountain, it would only hurt myself. 
right? But when it comes to other people, you have to pay attention to where you're, fi- where you're letting your train of thought go. Because if you're like, you know, I'm going to go get beers after work with the, you know, with the fellas and I'll just, you know, not text my spouse until like 30 minutes after I get there and say, and then let her know because she's going to be upset if I spend too much. Like if you go too far down a train of thought, this is what the ego does. It's what I call one of the ego tricks playing chess. In chess, without getting too deep into it, you have to look moves ahead. So chess uses assuming. Now it's a little bit different because you can see where their pieces are at. And you can see, you know, how they can move and stuff like that. So, but even the most advanced chess players can't see more than, you know, four or five moves ahead. I mean, some people will say they can see eight or nine, but it's a lot of assuming going on. And they'll get caught off guard. So, the point is, though, this is what the ego does. It it fills in gaps in your logic, which should have stopped and had a conversation. Like, there's no reason you can't be like... I want to go get beers after work with the buddies, but I need to call my spouse because we made plans for dinner, right? You can collaborate with both and be like, well, maybe I could do that tomorrow or do this tomorrow, move things around or, you know, invite the spouse out for drinks too or whatever. But the point is, if you assume and you start to make moves ahead based on assumptions of what other people are going to say or do or think, you're already lost in the ego's game because there's no reason not to communicate. There is no reason not to communicate with the people in your life if you want to do something. Now, you don't have to ask permission to do anything because it's your own free will. But if you're co-collaborating with other people and you've already made plans or they have assumptions and expectations, you need to communicate. And then maybe also reveal their blind spots of where they're assuming and expecting things. All right. So what did John do? He assumed the sale. He, based on his past experience with his mom, thought that his mom was going to take care of him. And here's the problem. One of the problems is with assuming the sale is he didn't at all put any attention on what his mom wanted. He only thought about what he wanted. The same with I'm gonna go get beers after work, he you know, with the guys or the gals. You only think about what you want in that situation. You don't think about what the other person wants. That's not sales. You cannot have a sale where you only think about you. That's a scam artist. In a sale, or an exchange of ideas, you have to be open to what the other side wants. And the only way to do that is to ask questions. Is to find out what they want. Not assume, to find out what they want. And I'm moving this conversation toward exchange. But bottom line is, how do you know what someone else wants until you ask? And this is what frustrates a lot of men in relationships, is they feel they should only have to ask once and it's going to be the same. That's completely stupid. It's inflexible. It's fat. It's men love things that are solid 
and don't change. So they don't have to think about them over and over again. But women are fluid and flexible, and they are always evolving and changing. Constantly. Their moods change, their energies change, their thoughts change, their minds change, their emotions change. And so you have to constantly check in. It's no different than with your heart. You have to constantly, constantly, constantly check in with your heart to see if things have changed or evolved. And this is why men, including myself, had a very, very hard, very hard time with spiritual path. The spiritual path is like a river. It's moving and changing constantly. And you want to build a solid foundation, but you can't. You have to constantly check in and be flexible because the truth that was there yesterday will be gone tomorrow, possibly. And if it's not, there's no problem in just checking in to make sure. So even though maybe last week your spouse was cool with you going to get drinks with the girls after work, today they might not be. And you need to, be, you need to check in. Just like you need to check in with your heart and see if that's what it wants to do. Because last week it might have been for your evolution and growth, and today it might not be. Okay? So when you assume the sale, as John did with his mom, he didn't ask any questions. He didn't find out what she wanted. He didn't even check in if they were on the same fucking team anymore, because they aren't. He, he moved away. He's 18, he moved away, he wanted to start his own life and start his own thing and start his own team, be his own self-sufficient person. So that's why it's hysterical that he assumed the sale. He didn't call up and ask, hey mom, are we still on the same team? Like, is there any you know, way you could help? I'm having, or I'm running into these financial troubles. How did you handle it when you were my age? Questions are huge. And they have to be questions that are genuine and honest without you assuming you know the answer. Because asking someone, hey, I'm, I'm running into trouble here. What would you do if you were me? Is a completely different conversation. Because bottom line is John had a problem. He was running low on money. He was running out of food. Just like a lot of young, you know, teenagers who move out, you know, they miscalculate their budget and they party a little too much or whatever. I, I was there, I've been there, you know, it, it happens. But the point is, he ran into a problem. And he thought the solution was money from his mom. But a problem has multiple solutions. Always. And so what he really needed was wisdom, but he didn't even know how to ask for that. He assumed that money was the problem to solve the problem. Oh, I just need more money. Then he also assumed that his mom was just going to hand it over. How silly. But look how different the conversation would have been if he'd have called and said, Mom, I'm running into this challenge or this problem. What would you do if you were me? Well, I probably should say the same thing, get a job. But um, that's neither here nor there. It's a completely different conversation where you're now open to collaboration. You're now open to finding your blind spots. This is the beauty of money. When you assume money's going to solve all your problems, you don't realize that a different perception of the problem 
more clarity, more wisdom will also solve said problem. If you give all your power to money to solve all your problems, you've given it away from the, the God that you are that is here to evolve beyond all these challenges. Essentially, you're saying more money has more power than I do. You're the creator of all the money you've ever experienced in your life. I mean, besides maybe inheritance or something like that. But like, you're the creator of all the money you've ever experienced. You're the one that's figured out every problem that's ever come before. So the point is, be curious about solutions or wisdom or clarity or finding blind spots before you just blindly say money is the, the, the cause and the, the solution to this problem. Ask questions. If you're evolving with someone else, ask questions that you truly want the answer to. Do not assume you know. So let's go back to the example of I want to, you know, me and the girls want to get drinks after work, but, you know, my, I know my, my spouse and kids will probably expect me home to have dinner with them. Couldn't you call or text or right after work and ask questions? Hey, love, is there any way we can, you know, hold off on dinner? Can you guys do dinner without me? Do you guys want to come out with us to have dinner? Do you want me to grab something on the way home? Think about how different a conversation that is. Then you just go, you come home late, a little bit buzzed, and now you have to, like, scramble or explain yourself or feel weird because you didn't communicate. Think about questions in, in the sales process it's literally goes build rapport because typically you know the people you're talking to are new people you've never met before so you want to build a lot of rapport you can still use that when you're doing um, sales with people you love but you've already built enough rapport to you know be in each other's lives but it wouldn't hurt to be like hey honey how was your day and then go into the questions and then the second thing is you ask a ton of questions because you have to know how to fit your solution that gets everybody what they want or close to it, at least what they need. You have to, you have to know how to plan your solution to get everyone what they need and hopefully all, everybody what they want. That doesn't always happen, but at least everybody gets what they need. Remember what I said, if you're having to force anything, it means you have the shittiest plan because if you had the best plan that gets everybody what they need and ideally what they want, there'd be no need for force. Everybody be, would opt in and say, yeah, let's do that. So how do you know how to get everybody what they need and what they want on your team if you don't ask a shitload of questions? And even if there are questions you, that you thought you knew the answer to that you asked yesterday, you might have to ask it again. Hey, honey, do you feel like eating together today? Because yesterday we did, but maybe you don't today. I don't know. I don't know how your day was. Maybe you've had a shitty day. You just want to go and hide under the covers and I'll bring you some leftovers. I don't know. Don't assume anything when it comes to other people. Assuming kills curiosity and it kills collaboration. It'd be no different if you went and got drinks with the girls and then brought home food that you thought everybody wanted and they wanted something different. You assumed. Therefore, yeah, they got everything they needed because they're eating. But they, they didn't get what they wanted because you assumed what they wanted. You didn't call and ask, you know, I'm running through Chick-fil-A drive-thru. What do you guys want? 
you just assume based on last week that you got this, you know, you get the same, you know, nugget meal for, I don't know what, you know, I don't know their menu off the top of my head, but you know what I'm saying? Assuming kills curiosity and it kills collaboration. There is no reason besides your own self-righteous ego that you cannot call and check in, that you cannot talk and ask questions. Ask questions. Find out what people need. Find out what they want. Find out if they know how to discern the difference between what they need and what they want. Because John thought he needed money. Not to say that he doesn't. But what he needed was a solution to the problem. He wanted money. He needed a solution to the problem. Because if he finds a solution to the problem, that same solution will work again. He'll start to build what? Confidence in himself and his abilities. Which is ultimately what his mom wants for him. Of course, she's communicated in a shitty way, which is just go get a job. But still, ultimately what she's saying is you need to stand on your own two feet. You need to figure out your own problems. But since he didn't ask any questions, he assumed the sale and assumed he knew what he needed or what he wanted. Collaboration died. Curiosity died. And I'm sure he holds some kind of a grudge to his mom now. When it comes to evolving with other people, ask questions. Don't assume. Check in. Don't assume. Even if you're asking the same questions you asked yesterday. What do you need today? What can I do for you today? So now we need to move into exchange. The other problem with John's... um, and I see this one a lot, especially with younger people. <clears throat> let's say, let's say I have a nice house, right? Or I have a nice RV. Either way, let's just keep with a nice house. Let's say I have a nice house. I live alone. It's a big house. And then let's say I have some friends over. And one of my friends says, can I use your house can we have a party here my birthday party in a couple months what do you think i'm gonna well i'm I'm probably not a good example but in this hypothetical what do you think i'm gonna say what the fuck do i get out of that this is where we need to move into exchange you want something and you can a lot of people do this when they come to like i want something from you Great. What do I get out of that? This is where I move into exchange. What can I do for you is a, is a question that you need to, if you want something from anyone, you also have to think, what do they get out of it? What can I do for them to compensate? Honey, I'd like to go get drinks with the guys after work today. Is there maybe a way I can compensate you for this? Not with money, obviously. But maybe, you know, one of these nights I can take the kids right after work and you can go do whatever you want to do. Maybe go out with your friends or, you know, go meditating or be alone with your thoughts or, you know. I can, if you relieve this burden for me tonight, I can do it for you in the future, you see. 
Exchange is the next thing you need to walk through because if you want something from someone, how do they fucking benefit? If you don't think about the benefit, you're completely narcissistic. In that moment anyway, not to say that you're a narcissist, but in that moment you are. Can I use your house to throw a party? Great, what the fuck do I get out of that? Uh, Well, you get to meet new people. <laughs> yeah, I get to meet new people in my own home. I don't typically invite people I don't know in my own home. Can I use your RV? What do I get out of that? Uh, so that was the other part that John didn't understand. What does his mom get out of giving him money? Nothing. She actually takes a loss. Unless she's, you know, identified with her self-worth with being a good mom and she thinks that that's a, a way to be a good mom which i've seen that shit happen before with people pleasers but that's not that's not my my that's not john's mom she's not a people pleaser so the other thing you have to realize is you have to exchange something when you want something you have to think about what everybody else wants and how to get everybody what they need and, and ideally what they want I had a buddy recently, <laughs> I actually had to explain this to him. He was having a real stressful time at work. And he was like, you know, as soon as I get home from work, the kids, you know, are all over me. And since my spouse has been with them all day, she needs time for herself. So like, I feel like I don't get any time for myself. And you know, when I bring it up, they're like, you know, every, the family's like, well, you are at work alone the whole time. A lot of the time, you know, he works pretty much alone, sometimes with other people, but a lot of times alone. And he's like, yeah, but I'm working. That's not my, that's not alone time. That's not me time. And he was like, I was like, yeah, bro, you need to figure out a way to get some, you know, your, your me time back, you know, maybe, you know, go snowboarding because he and I like to snowboard together and you know, maybe you can go snowboarding or, you know, even to just be alone to meditate or, you know, go grab a pint after work and just settle your thoughts before you go home. And I'm not advocating drinking or whatever as a thing. It's just, I'm not stupid. I know how people use coping mechanisms. I did. So, um, and so he got the idea, you know, yeah, what, well, you know what? You're right. Larry, I'm going to, when I get home, I'm just going to put my foot down and say, I need my alone time. I need, I need alone time and that's it. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's take, let's take a beat. Take a step back here. You're going to put your foot down? So your intention is to get some quality of alone time. And your delivery method is to put your foot down? That is a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Much better idea to communicate the benefit What's the benefit of alone time for the family? You know, we get to talking and it's simple. I don't want to come home stressed, sweetheart. And he was talking to his kids too. I don't want to come home stressed like I have been. If I can just get a little bit of time before home, a little buffer to calm my thoughts, to calm myself, I'll be more present, less likely to snap and be upset. And I'll be completely 100% focused on you and the kids. That is a much better sale. 
by communicating the benefit of what they get out of it. That creates a win-win that it's very hard to say no to. Right? I, I want to spend as much time as I can with you guys, but I also want it to be quality time. And I'm just too stressed at work right now to give a bunch of quality time. I need time to decompress because I don't want that shit to roll downhill. I don't want the stress to roll downhill to you guys, you know, guys and gals. And this is my best solution. However, I'm open to other solutions. I'm open to collaborate. You see how much different a conversation that is? Then I'm going to go put my foot down? What's that going to do? That's only going to cause discord and distress in everybody. This is why my heart wanted to have this podcast, because sales is so much more than, hey, come buy my product or service. It's how do you effectively, effectively communicate your thoughts and needs and wants and ideas. And you have to remain open to everybody else's needs and wants and thoughts and ideas. So even though you might have a solution to the problem, you have to hold it with an open hand and not grab onto it. Be like, this is what I came up with. Is there something I can do for you? What do you guys think? This is why I started off by saying it's very, very disruptive to completely ignore what children are asking for, what their perceptions of the situation is. When you are, you know... My grandfather was this way to my mother, so I heard it growing up. She wasn't that way to me, but I heard it growing up. You know, children are to be seen and not heard. That's an old school mentality, but unfortunately it's been passed down. It's still around. I've worked with clients all the time and that are my age that have had that happen when they, with their parents. Children are to be seen but not heard. It's like, what the fuck is that? Why even have kids then? What are they, trophies? Their perception and point of view is just as valid. If they're like, Dad, maybe we come home and we just immediately start playing instead of, you know, doing homework or whatever, maybe he needs a little more play in his life. I mean, we're talking about going snowboarding, you know. Talking about going for a, a, a beer or a pint or something. That's a great idea. And then what? And then you run it by your heart to see if that's what your heart wants to do. And maybe it says, maybe some of the nights you don't, you don't use a buffer and you just go straight to the kids' room and just start playing a game to relieve your mind from the day. Who knows? I wasn't there. It's just a hypothetical. But you see what I'm saying? When you remain open to what the rest of your teammates or the people you're evolving in your life have to say, they will reveal things that you don't even think to reveal. But if you come in there stubborn with, I got to put my foot down, you are lost. That is a terrible idea. And that has to go back to, remember what your intention is. It's not only to effectively communicate, 
But if in this example, if your intention is to not bring the stress of work home with you, or not snap on the kids, if you don't communicate in a way that say, I don't want to be that guy or gal, they might think that it's them that stresses you out. You have to effectively communicate, no, it's work that's stressful. Not you guys. Not my family. But when I come home directly from a stressful environment, and I haven't had the adequate time to decompress, it makes you guys think that you guys stress me out. This is why you must communicate and check in. You have to be like, no, it's not you guys. This happened to me the other day. I have a friend, a dear friend of mine who always, not always, you know, when she runs into spiritual blocks or troubles or blind spots or whatever, she reaches out to me. I'm, I'm a shaman, and, you know, she's so cute. She calls my uh, my shaman trauma work therapy. It's not therapy. It's adorable. Anyway, um, you know, I was talking to her about how it's not healthy to vent. Uh, because when you vent to someone, it's like, imagine a pressure cooker. And you have a steam valve that lets the steam out of the pressure cooker. Well, the steam valve only goes one way. It's the steam coming out. You don't, when you vent to someone, you don't have the ability to take in their perception of the situation. It's only coming out of you. So you always want to vent to God or the source or universe or be alone when you vent. And she was like, well, Larry... You know, every time we talk, I get so much out of it, but I'm venting to you. And I'm like, no, you're not. There's a difference between venting and talking. Venting is like, these fucking people at work are just so stupid. And I, God, I just hate it there. And when is this going to end? And ah, that's venting. There's a lot of a, a heavy negative or a heavy emotional charge with venting. When you're just like, you know, Larry, I'm, I'm running into these blocks and I need help you know, understanding them, that's not venting, that's asking for help with your blind spots, that's collaboration, that's talking. Everybody does that because the, the, how you can tell the difference between venting and talking is how open are you to other people's point of view. So, but until she said that to me, she felt bad every time she called or messaged me to get on the phone because she's like, I don't want to take up your time. I don't want to vent. I know I have to value your time. And I'm like, first of all, my time and energy is mine to safeguard. That's that's up to me and my heart on who I choose to talk to and, and, how, and how long and, and how much. So that's not on you. That's on me. And second of all, um, you're not venting. You're just talking. You're just asking for help. There's a huge difference. But until she said that, I had no idea that that was what's going on inside. This is why it's so important to communicate what's going on. If you assume I know, or assume you're doing something wrong, now there's an invisible barrier between us that I didn't even know was there. Of course I want to help her, to the extent my heart wants to help her. Obviously I'm not going to do her heavy, living, heavy, heavy lifting for her, but 
the point is you have to communicate what's going on inside of you when your heart says to communicate what's going on inside of you you keep it in you're gonna boil over like a pressure cooker this is where therapy can be helpful to provide a safe space to communicate what's going on but a lot of therapists don't know how to provide a safe space um, or a non-judgmental space and anyway that's a whole other subject point is if you don't communicate what you need and what you're worried about like to go back to my, my buddy with the stressful job like i i need to be present with you guys when i get home and i don't want the stress to roll downhill i'm worried that if i come home stressed and immediately go into dad mode that you'll think you're what stresses me out and because you might trigger me easier right that's communicating what i need I, I need a way to dissipate or decompress the stress before i get home and what i'm worried about is that it rolls downhill when you communicate that to people and you're open to honest solutions that's collaboration you're going to find much more people much more willing to help you when you communicate in that style and it's not communicating from a, you know, the hat in the hand and I'm kind of, it's like, I, it, it, you're not begging for help. You're just asking, I'm, I'm running into this challenge. I would love your perception on it. Here's what I need. Here's what I'm worried about. Can you see anything that's going on? What would you do if you were me? How can we work this together so that I get what I want and you get what you want? You want more dad time. I want more peaceful dad time. I want more focused and present dad time. Right? So we, we just have to come to a place where we understand that. We both want the same thing. But it's the energy with which I bring it. Right? So let me wrap this up. Hopefully something I've said has helped you here today. But don't shy away from sales talks, first of all. Not talks, sales training of, some, of any kind. A lot of people have it in their head that if they learn sales, they'll become like a car salesman or something. Uh, no, don't ever, be, don't ever shy away from learning more about how to effectively communicate. That's the first thing. But never assume anything of anyone. Ask a ton of questions. When I talk to, you know, I have a client who I've had for years on and off, about a year and a half. And, you know, we get along famously, but I never assume anything. We get on and we talk, you know, for the first five, 10 minutes about what's going on with her, her life and her week, even though I've been messaging her throughout the week. Like you never assume anything because today something could have happened. Today is a new day. So when it comes to other people, do your best not to assume, ask questions, even if they, are the same questions you asked yesterday. How was your day? What do you think crazy happened? Anything I can help you with? What can I do to help that you need, right? How can I benefit your life today? So ask a ton of questions, especially when you want something from someone. When you want something from someone, don't shy away from it and don't try to assume you know what you could do for them. 
just say, you know, honey, I want to take the kids, you know, to Disneyland. And I realize we would need time away from our jobs. We would need, you know, to find the extra money or whatever. But that's something I want. Is that something you want? Is that something that's too kid-focused? Maybe we could do something that all of us want, right? So it's communicating your wants but letting go. Communicating your needs but letting go to be open to collaboration. And the best way to do that is through questions and to realize that if you want something from someone else, you have to benefit them to an equal degree, if not greater. And that's more than just, I'll owe you one. How do you put a plan together that gets everyone what they need and ideally what they want without a ton of questions? Anyway, I hope what I've said has helped you here today. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Remember always, we are (laughs) different snowflakes in the same snowstorm, different cars on the same road, different clouds in the same sky. One family. Be well, be gentle with yourselves, with your family, with each other, with your coworkers. Be gentle, ask questions, stay open. Don't forget to love yourself. You're unconditionally loved beyond measure. You always will be. Good journey, my friends.